Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Phase Zero Season 3, Episode 19. We are cruising through. It's already, we're like already halfway through May. What is going on here? Brandon Davis, your host in Phase Zero with you. We got Aaron Perrine. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Aaron? We got Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. And we got Jamie Jurak. Good morning. Good morning. From the core four here on Phase Zero. And we'd like to thank our friends at Enterprise for supporting our show. Thank you, Enterprise. We love you guys for being with us for these past few weeks. And uh, it's been a fun ride. No pun intended. Get it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got it. We got a fun show. We got a lot of talk about uh, the, the writer's strike is hitting the Marvel productions. Uh, Adam Barnhart had a TED talk with Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, Secret Invasion dropped a look at it. So we got a lot to talk about. At the end of the show, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because obviously that's a hot topic right now. It just came out. It's making a lot of money. A lot of people are watching it. We're going to not do spoilers as best we can help it. And if we are going to talk about spoilers, we will make it clear. We promise we will uh, let you know if we do talk spoilers so that it doesn't get ruined for you. Uh, but first, Jamie saw Little Mermaid. And I would like to I hear... I did see Little Mermaid. I'd like to hear about this. Jamie, tell us Tell us more. I got to say, I am not a fan of these Disney live action remakes. Uh, I've, I, they're not for me, but I really liked The Little Mermaid. Uh, I, my, like, I did not expect to come out of that movie liking it as much as I did. Um, uh, Halle Bailey is so good. She's a star. Um, and, uh, you know, all the animals, they look what they look like. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I will never like the way that these CGI animals look in any of those movies. I think they're all ridiculous. But David Diggs, man, he did so much with what with the nothing crab that he had to work with. I was so impressed. And when they announced Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, I was like, yeah, she feels like a safe choice, you know, like you know, whatever. But man, I loved her. She was great. Oh. Uh, I just, uh, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was a fan of this all around. I did some interviews yesterday um, with a lot of cool people, so I'm excited for folks to see that. I'm sure they will be up within the next week. Yeah, they'll be those will be on the comicbook.com youtube channel and on comicbook.com slash movies you'll find them at the top of plenty of articles there i find it interesting you really enjoyed melissa mccarthy when i saw the clip at CinemaCon of her singing uh, i forget which song it was the one where she tries to make unfortunate them. souls yeah yeah unfortunate mm -hmm. souls uh i thought i don't know i thought it felt like something was missing but i think that might just be me looking at the animated version of the like same thing with lion mm -hmm. king it's just like the anime it, 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 I don't know. The presentation of it feels they're like they're never going to beat those. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm like, glad you liked it though. Cause that's certainly after that clip, I was less excited to watch it. And now hearing you say you really enjoyed it specifically that you liked Melissa McCarthy after one thing, that was one thing that made me a little bit nervous. Uh, I'm excited to see it again now. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually thought she looked like the design of Ursula was great. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's one of the best anything in those movies have looked like the all, you know, her whole, her whole vibe was right. rocking. I thought. Interesting. All right, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to have to go check that movie out. I mean, I was going to check it out anyway. Let's be honest. We all watch everything. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, we got lots of Marvel news to discuss today. Uh, and Jenna is going to kick us off with a topic that, you know, God, Phase Zero was a show born out of Marvel delays. And now it feels like we're going home. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. This, so this much better reason. I know. So we yeah. talked about it a little bit last week, um, the WGA strike and how it may or may not affect Marvel things that are currently in production. Uh, we then got our answer over the past week. There have been a lot of updates regarding productions that either had to temporarily stop or are pausing production. Um, Jamie, I know has so many thoughts once I rattle all of this off. Um, so Wonder Man was seemingly shut down production for the day due to being picketed late last week. Uh, Daredevil Born Again had the same thing happen early this week. Um, according to a report by The Hollywood Reporter on Friday, um, Blade's pre-production and planned production are currently paused. Uh, according to THR as well, Deadpool 3 is still on track to begin filming later in May and Thunderbolts in June. And Fantastic Four is currently on track to start in January of 2024. But who knows if the strike changes that? Because if this goes for hundreds of days, that might completely change. So how do we feel about all of these updates? I mean, it's got to happen. You know, it's like it's a bummer for us as people who want to consume this content. But like, yeah, give them give them uh, pay these writers and then we'll get it. Like, that's the point. Like, I know that some people are kind of like, well, it's the writer's fault. We're not getting this content. Well, no, <laughs> the reason why uh, they're like they need to be paid because they're the ones who create this content. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, it's a bummer. But like and, and uh, who knows how else this could affect things? I mean, there are certain things that are complete, of course but uh, you don't know. For example, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Miranda, he didn't go to the Little Mermaid premiere and he didn't come to the, I was supposed to interview him and he didn't come to the interviews. Um, and even though the movie's already complete, that does not necessarily mean that some people, their people are going to strike and take a stand in, in whatever way that they can and whatever they feel is right. So um, I, I, I really want this to get solved, but I think, you know, people are being stubborn and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh uh, I feel like yeah, we're gonna this we're gonna get back to our pandemic era of working here at comicbook.com. I fear. Yeah, just talking about delays all day. But I mean, yeah, yeah, the writers should get what they are asking for. They should get more money. They should get the benefits they're looking for. I think they deserve it. I mean, I saw a tweet that was just uh, earlier today that somebody said, uh, you know, I, the writers' strike is dominating my. Twitter feed. I, I saw somebody complaining that the writer strike is dominating my Twitter feed, and there's all kinds of jokes about it and this and that. And it's like, well, and the person was saying, well, yeah, of course, like there's jokes about the writer strike, and they're making you laugh. These are writers who actually write things, and they write jokes for a living. Imagine that you're seeing humor about, it. you're seeing people make their points through comedy and through various means on social media. The writers are writing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a while before like we, the consumer, feel the effect of the writer strike. Because obviously, like you just said, Little Mermaid is already finished. That movie's coming out. The next few months, most of this stuff is already finished. And the last Raiders strike went like 150 days, right? Mm -hmm. And that definitely affected some television and some movies and stuff. So not really surprised the stuff's getting shut down. I understand why it's happening. I support the fact that the writers want to get paid for their work, and I think they should. So, you know, it's like, well, if we have to wait a little bit while to see the Fantastic Four, oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, Blade has <laughs> just remained cursed. That movie can't get through anything though I, I don't understand why everything is delaying that movies every step of the way but they'll get here eventually and more people will be better for it so that's kind of feel like we're all on the same page with that i don't really know how to how to add to that aaron you got anything on that uh just you know whenever they come to the table that's when we get our stuff and uh, i mean for mcu fans i would also say a large chunk of this stuff is already kind of in the can so like the marvels is done like i would assume echo is done i would assume that iron heart is done mm -hmm. i haven't heard anything about agatha like there's so much stuff that's already in the can that it would have to go on for like you know it would have to be like roaches at the apocalypse watching something for it to be gone for us to be completely out of things but uh hopefully we don't get to that hopefully we get to through maybe a little bit of the summer and we're good to go you know I do feel like this will, though, reach a point where we might be kind of in the drought that we're in now, where we're like going really long stretches of time in between Disney Plus shows or in between movies. I feel like that might be more of a common pattern, especially if the writer's strike starts to domino effect on stuff that's coming out next year. But again, like it's a completely deserved reason for it. It's just like it's going to be interesting to see that after effect, especially when we've talked on the show so many times about like, are they rushing to get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? It's like now they might have to take a little bit longer because all of these things are naturally going to be delayed. That's actually exactly what I was going to say next, is the fact that it might actually slow down the amount of content being output. Like, you can clearly tell that 2023 
is a bit of a pump the brakes moment from the Marvel Cinematic Universe after 21 and 22. And now they might not have a choice but to keep the brakes on a little bit in terms of the uh, speed of release and the time between projects because these the, the, the writers and the writer's strike uh, and this whole thing is going to make things not available to be finished yet. So I think overall, uh, I'm not upset. I'm not upset at all. I think, you know, whatever. I think uh, time stream projects is fine. People getting taken care of is even better. So we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Maybe talk to me in a year when, you know, something's delayed and I'm like, oh, I wish I could see this, but I don't think I'm ever going to be anti-writer strike. So that's, all, that's pretty much all I got to say there. I think we can move on to the next thing, which uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, he talked to Adam Barnhart, and Adam Barnhart is like best friends with the Daredevil cast, just so everybody's clear <laughs> on that. I know he's saying every every time here, but like they're like best friends. Like I'm, I, I think they hang out on the weekends, and he just doesn't tell us because I'm, I'm <laughs> on phase zero, uh, which I respect because I, I, I know the game. Uh, but Vincent D'Onofrio, he talked about Born Again uh, to Adam, which you can go see this on the comicbook.com YouTube channel. Go to comicbook.com slash Marvel. You can read multiple stories uh, from this half hour long chat they had, which talked about comic conventions, talked about Daredevil, talked about all kinds of things. Um, but he said, I think it's definitely a new show. It's not the Netflix show. It's definitely a new show. I mean, all I can say is that Charlie Cox and I are not bored. We are having a great time. We have a great cast. And I think everybody else is having a great time too. Charlie's one of my favorite people. And I know that he comes here every day ready to knock it out of the park. And you know how I am. I'm totally into this part. So I'm there for the same reason. And that's the end of the quote. I find the interesting thing here to be, I think it's definitely a new show. It's not the Netflix show. It's definitely a new show. Now this feels like another step towards confirmation that it's a new story, it's a multiverse, it's not a direct continuation of the Netflix show. However, it's still not a firm closing of the door. I still, when actors talk about this stuff, I'm like, well, he could be talking about the tone of the show or you know, this part of the show or that part of the show. It's obviously a new thing, and maybe that's just the talking point that he's told to say is that it is a new show so that people don't feel the need to go get all the baggage of the Netflix show if they haven't watched it. Not that the Netflix show is baggage by any means. It's fantastic, but obviously if somebody hasn't watched it yet and there's three seasons, they're like, well, can I watch this Daredevil Born Again show on Disney Plus? And then somebody says to them, well, you'd have to watch the three seasons on Netflix. They might be discouraged to check it out. So I think that could be another angle that they're taking. I don't know. The tinfoil hat's on real tight here. Anybody got any takeaways from this? I agree with everything you just said. I think it is like this matter of accessibility. And I also think, as I said on the show sometimes, the characters, it's been like a decade since we've really seen these characters. Outside of Matt being on She-Hulk, like so much time has passed in their story that like we can kind of pick it up with them at a new point in their life and just kind of run with it. It's no different than one comic run of a really long ongoing title being completely different from another one. Like I, I see that as a very similar version of that. And I do think it is an accessibility thing. I know I've been kind of mentally being like, oh God, am I gonna enjoy Ahsoka if I haven't seen every single animated thing that leads into Ahsoka? But so I feel like Daredevil's kind of a similar version of that of you might be able to pick it up and have fun with it even if you haven't watched any of the Netflix stuff. Yeah. Yeah, seems pretty straightforward. There's another quote here. Um, We're really just delivering. It's a lot of work. Charlie's amazing because he has to do all the stunts and stuff, man, to watch Charlie Cox do all those stunts. So he's in constant training and learning different things, but the scenes are great. I'm trying to skirt around specifics, but I can only say it is a different show and it feels like a different show. So I don't know, man. I think I think the Save Daredevil crowd. I feel like if you're in that Save Daredevil camp, that's a bittersweet quote because you got the guys you love back. You got a lot of the the cast members, some of the story back uh and you get a somewhat of a continuation but at the same time it sounds like you might not i don't know i just want these questions to be answered firmly and it drives me we all know i y'all see me on this show every time we talk about this stuff it's just like answer the question just say it outright and i think they have i don't know i just want to hear it from like i don't know i guess we'll know when the show comes out maybe who knows maybe we will but i just i don't i don't like this debate is it canon is it not canon just be be direct be direct. Anybody else got anything here before we move on? Adam Barnhart says in the comments, Born Again is about to be the best thing Marvel's ever done. So uh, thank you, Adam, for watching. <laughs> Next time, ask uh, Vincent if he'll if he'll come on, if the six of us can sit around. Tell him, bring Charlie too. Who cares? Hell yeah. You know, totally cash. <laughs> well, actually, we have a surprise, everybody. Bring him out. We have Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Cox sitting in our virtual backstage just listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
dude. All right. All right. We're going to take a quick one minute break. We come back. We got some more MCU news and updates to discuss. And at the end of the show, after the next break, after that, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Pretty spoiler free, but we'll warn you if we get into anything spoilery for those of you who haven't seen the film yet. So, uh, quick break. We'll be right back. See you in a moment. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome back to Phase Zero. We're continuing through some MCU news and Secret Invasion just dropped a little video which you can watch on the Phase Zero Twitter account if you follow. Thank you to all 62,000 of you. But Jamie Jack's got some interesting insights for you. Oh, yeah. The director uh, spoke to Empire uh, and talked about how the show is inspired by classic thrillers. Uh, We talked a lot about classic espionage noir, like the third man. Uh, As Nick moves through it, he walks out of a noir and into a Western. He becomes the lone gunslinger walking down Main Street looking for bad guys to vanquish. We go from the third man to John Wayne and the Searchers and Sam walks effortlessly from one into the next. Now that intrigues me. Let me tell you. In fact, I very recently watched The Third Man. Um, so you should watch that film. Uh, it's a very good classic Orson Welles noir. And The Searchers is also a very, uh, one of the most iconic Westerns ever made. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, listen, the this is going to be such a good show. <laughs> Like a- Adam says, the uh, born again. That like I, this is my born again. Uh, what do you guys think about these combos? It sounds dope. I think Secret Invasion sounds really good, and I'm glad we've had time between shows to get excited again. I hope Secret Invasion's good. I'm excited that like for whatever if it's on Wednesdays or Thursdays, I don't remember what day June 21st is, but whatever day Phase Zero has to be in order to do this. But we're finally going to have something like on a weekly basis where half the show we can talk about a new episode again, and that's exciting. We've been. We, for most of last year, we were doing that every week, but this year it's been a while. It's already May, and we haven't had a single episode of Marvel TV to talk about. And I'm not like sad about it. I think I'm. You all have heard me say I think the gap is good, uh, but I'm super excited. I think this sounds really good, and I hope I hope it carves out its own pocket of the MCU to tell a really interesting story, which obviously has its connections because I, I I'm dying for some connectivity in this multiverse saga between all the stories. But at the same time, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three my favorite thing so far because of how it comes from connections to the MCU, but told a completely character driven story and didn't need the rest of the MCU to thrive. So I don't know. I, I think secret of is going to be dope. The cast is incredible. And I, I think that's a really cool quote from the director there. I saw like a couple people in film Twitter kind of dunking on these comparisons because they were like, oh my God, how can a Marvel show really capture like the magic of the searchers and stuff like that? And it's like, it's not going to try to exactly emulate this, but I appreciate, as we've said on the show so many times, they can't really match the scope of the Secret Invasion comics. So I appreciate that they're at least going for style and at least for like espionage and just like an intensity to it. And that alone excites me. So I'm, I'm very excited and curious to see how this shakes out. Yeah. Film Twitter is so weird, man. John Ford <laughs> makes really, really pretty movies, like pretty movies. <laughs> but then when you think about them, they're like you could have like an eighth grader like diagram out like the plot of the searchers. As someone who absolutely had to do that in film school, I was like, okay, all right, guys. The third man, that's gonna be kind of difficult. Also, don't know if that's gonna go on Disney Plus. In the old days, we'd be like, Ugh. so. <laughs> That's that's there. It should be fun. Everything we've heard is encouraging, including the um, featurette that Brandon mentioned on the Twitter account, on our Twitter account today. You should go watch that. Um, so yeah, we're excited. That show's going to be good, I think. Not <laughs> like the comic, but it's going to be good. Right. Um, speaking of Secret Invasion, mm. we got Samuel Jackson saying he's confused about where Nick Fury was during some of the MCU movies. As you know, Sam is like most of us, ordering tickets online at midnight, sitting in showings with big old things of popcorn. And when he watched uh, Civil War and Endgame, he was a little confused. He told Empire Magazine, 
I was trying to figure out where I was during Civil War when the kids were fighting and I wasn't there to say, everyone go to your room. <laughs> where was I during Endgame? It's harder for me not to be there than be there. So I never really gave this a ton of consideration, especially Endgame, because he was in the middle of saying a very loud F word in the middle of New York. And I think that explains why Wong couldn't find him. But does, does it ever, did it ever, anyone ever wonder about where he was during those events? Well, Endgame, what's he going to do in Endgame? No. Like in that battle? What's he going to do? I well, would love. I mean, ahead. the same thing Black Widow was doing in the first Avengers movie. Just shooting stuff? I'm just yeah, picturing just... him and Howard the Duck just with guns, just trying to fight <laughs> up like energy people. <laughs> that he was dusted during Endgame, but wasn't Talos the one that got. Like, we're not sure, right? If that was because Spider Man Far From Home showed that Nick Fury was a scroll. But I don't know if that was this because there's like nine months in between those movies. So I don't know. I think it was it Nick Fury. It was Nick Fury that got dusted, right? That wasn't Talos Nick Fury. We don't know. We don't, I don't think we know that uh, answer. True, I think I, I, it makes sense that it was Talos. I, I, we Nick don't Fury, know. Not, yeah, like Nick Fury found out building Space Shield. How would he have the beeper though? How would he have the pager? Like he wouldn't he have the pager. It to him. Land, I'm not. He's like, you're gonna be me. I'm not you're letting gonna that be go. Me. First no. of all, you know how hard it is to get someone to to work on a pager and fix a pager. Like, <laughs> there's a very specific niche of things. True. I don't know. I'm more just like I find it funny the Civil War aspect where he's like, everybody go to your room because it's like the movie would have ended immediately and it would have right. been great. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I did not wonder where Nick Fury was during those moments, but if we find out, I think it'll be really satisfying. Like I, th I always like when they add kind of context and depth to those sort of big events in the MCU by showing us how and where and all this stuff was happening to people who weren't directly involved, but how it still could have affected them. I always find that stuff really satisfying. So. He showed up to the now funeral, so it's not like they forgot about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did show up at the funeral, the wedding, the wedding as Tom Holland was told. <laughs> but yeah. All right. All right. Well, maybe we'll learn about, maybe we'll learn about where Nick Fury was. All right. Next thing on the agenda, um, Scarlett Johansson uh, spoke to Variety about Jeremy Renner's accident. Of course, Jeremy Renner had this insane snowplow accident at the beginning of the year and he's been recovering. Um, if you haven't been following, you should follow him on Instagram. He's constantly updating, sharing like these really inspirational videos. Uh, but this is what ScarJo said to Variety. She said, I was very upset. On the Avengers text chain, we're like, okay, you beat us all. That's it. You won. Uh, that's like real superhero stuff. It's unbelievable. Um, she continued, I was honestly so effing happy to see him. I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. To not only see him again, but to see him thriving in, in such an amazing space mentally. He's a very spiritual person in general and a very soulful person. And you can see that in his work. And you can see that in his work, it comes through. He has such a depth to him. And I just was just so happy to see that he is full of life and light. And he's also hilarious. We laughed a lot. Uh, I'd like to say that I had, did not read that ahead of time. So I'd like to shout out to myself for not reading the I F word. I was so uh, worried. Name is fully the kid uh, when you were in like middle school and high school and you're going around the class. And, like, do you ever play popcorn? Like you, you guys ever play popcorn? You get the like somebody's like popcorn. Someone else in the class has to start. You say the person's name and they start reading. Jamie was fully the kid who would read the whole book to the whole class and never <laughs> the next person. And but the class would be better for it because yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was the kid who got a little frustrated when the kid who was a slower reader would be reading because I'd be like, I just want to get through this. Can we finish this page and move on? But I'm but then you know everybody's got to learn to read. I know. I'm, maybe that makes me. Not not 100% a dig. I just wanted to move on. Get that reference, please. Uh, but yeah. I, I would like so, to say that that is, I think that that is actually not a good method because it, it makes a lot of kids uncomfortable. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, let no, those of us who like doing yeah. it, do it. Um, some people read better in their brains and in their mouth. Oh, but I would like to tell you all a fun little anecdote, which is in high school, my friends and I used to go to Books A Million and we used to pull out like the... Um, like the kind of erotica books and I would read them uh, out loud <laughs> with my friends in the bookstore. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, but Jeremy Renner is doing great. Uh, <laughs> doing great, and the Avengers still have a group chat. That's my takeaway from this. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Renner is doing great, and the Avengers still have a group chat. And I would love, my good, could you, dude? Do you have fun, man? The tea you would get out of the Avengers group chat. Could you imagine what they're saying to each other? Probably some hilarity in there. 
I don't know. I actually don't know if I want to read it because maybe it would change my whole view of the Avengers. I think we already know too much about each other. Maybe just I just like I want to know what they're still talking about, like all these years after the fact, because it's like they've all moved on, done different projects. Like Robert Downey Jr. shaved his head. Like what comes up (laughs) in the group chat is like my biggest thing now, because it's like it's like when you reconnect with like high school or college friends and you know all of the milestones you've gone through. It's like what do you even talk about? I would love to know that. I was just gonna say there's there's one person who had something really embarrassed happening to them on set that they all constantly probably still reference to this day and you'll never ever let them live it down Mm -hmm. and we need to know what that is i mean imagine that group chat the day chris evans accidentally posted that thing he posted Mm. could you imagine the roast of chris evans in the avengers group chat? you know downey was the most tearing him up you know mark ruffalo was like well i thought that would be me (laughs) (laughs) like Like, they they probably they're probably such close friends and then i I like to imagine that every once in a while they're just like so you guys think you're ever gonna go back and do this again it's not just me like everybody's still out oh you don't want to do me either i don't want to do it either but oh you do I mean, I kind of, no, 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 no. I imagine that they go, there's, there's gotta be every once in a while, like a, did Kevin text you today too? Maybe not. Maybe that's <laughs> like Dolan, the chat just pointed out. I wonder if they're all caught up on the new MC stuff. It's like, do you think one of them like watches something from phase four? And it's like, Hey guys, I really recommend this. You should watch it. Like, do you wonder if those conversations happen at all? Cause like, that would be wild too. Like, you guys, Moon Knight's really good or whatever. <laughs> I don't think they watch the Marvel shows, but I bet some of them are talking about who's going to end up in charge at the end of succession. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of them don't watch. I don't think I don't think uh, there's so much Marvel content. I think some of the actors probably watch a lot of it, especially newcomers who get really excited to join the franchise. But I don't think a lot of the actors are like keeping up with everything, especially when they're done. Maybe they'll watch some stuff if their friends are in it or it piques their interest. But I don't think they keep like I don't think anybody from the MCU's Infinity Saga has watched all 55 hours since. Like I, I don't. I've, I know so few people in general who have like. Uh, <laughs> If they do, we're all here. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, there's tons of people who do, but I don't think the actors are up to date on everything. Like, I think if I went into an interview with Robert Downey Jr. and I was like, so what'd you think of Moon Knight? He'd probably be like, oh, uh, trailer was good. <laughs> Maybe. That's <laughs> <laughs> just life. That's just, you know, it is. That is what it is. But uh, all right. We're going to take a quick one minute break. We come back, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I promise this will be spoiler-free, and if there's anything spoilery we're going to say, we will warn you in advance if you have not yet seen the movie. Look at it. We're ahead of time today. This is strange. My goodness, this never happened. So we'll see you in a moment, and we have time. So feel free to drop some questions into the chat, whether it's on YouTube or Twitch, because like I said, we're running ahead. Might be able to answer a few of them at the end of today's show. So see you in a moment. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Phase Zero, Season 3, Episode 19. This is the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 section of the show. If you want full spoilers, we have a bonus episode. I imagine many of you, if you're here today, have already listened to it if you've seen the movie. Uh, it's a full hour with uh, Cam Hayward with us, and we we dissected the movie quite a bit, but still there's more to talk about, but we're going to keep it spoiler-free for this last part of today's episode. Um, and there will be lots of spoiler discussion of Guardians Volume 3 uh, coming up, on Friday, we have a video uh, with with Sean Gunn. He talked to Liam Crowley. So you'll be able to find that on the Phase Your YouTube channel this Friday. There'll be more kind of spoilery coverage coming to us. We're just giving it a little bit more time to breathe. Uh, but first, I mean, we, we do have a spoiler-free clip of Liam's interview with Sean Gunn that we wanted to play real quick, and then uh, we could all maybe share our thoughts on what he has to say here. Richard? In the works, Rocket's origin is something that feels like has been in the works for years in terms of at least like a kind of structure of what we were going to get to when we eventually d- did decide to explore it. Uh, how long have you known about where Rocket came from? I've known that I've known it pretty much from the very beginning. 
Um, the uh, James told me when we were shooting the first movie um, what Rocket's backstory was, uh, where he was from, uh, um, his uh, relationship to the high evolutionary, and uh, and he it's it's all stayed pretty consistent. I didn't know a hundred percent of the details, but I knew more or less where he came from um, when when we you know early into the process of shooting the first movie. I'm sorry. What was on Sean Gunn's background? I know. I'm obsessed with it. I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it. We are different people, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. That's, I think that's a woman. Yeah, I think it is. Wow. I feel so sorry for people just listening to the audio version. Just go to our <laughs> YouTube channel and you'll see what yeah. we're talking about. I agree. The, yeah, the imagination is probably not as crazy as it is, but it is an interesting photo behind him. Uh, I mean, I find I, this is something I, this is something I find really interesting because I asked James Gunn a question about Gamora and how, you know, how he had a plan for Gamora, where it went through three movies and then the Avengers movies come along and they killed her off. And then now he inherits this 2014 Gamora that has to be a part of volume three, which obviously was not a part of the plan when he first started guardians one. And I find this kind of stuff interesting. Like the rocket raccoon story was seemingly pretty set in stone all along. And then there's changes like Gamora and there's things that are fluid and have to have to be adapted. Uh, I love rocket story. The only thing that I I'm like, well, you didn't see this coming, did you, James? Which, whatever. Like, he's this is this is just. I feel like such a dick when I nitpick like this. But uh, the 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 prison intake scene shows Rocket's known associates, and Lila is one of them. And it's like, well, how does that make sense? General well, article about it. <laughs> I wrote an article about that last night because I realized this after I saw the movie for the first time, and I, it like kept me up at night. Are you going to talk spoiler has- here? A little bit, yes, but I'll, I'll skirt around it as much as humanly possible. Like, James had done an interview at, like, a convention in 2017 when he was writing Volume 3, and he was like, there is something in the intake scene that I need to retcon, and I'm kind of frustrated that I have to retcon it. Because he was like, it's very innocuous, but if you're a Marvel fan, you know what it is, and I, I have to change it for the sake of the story, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And obviously, he just kind of did that. But yeah, I wrote an article about it. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but just like the context of how Lila is in Rocket's life is obviously very different from him throwing her on the intake sheet in volume one. So, which makes it more heartbreaking in the grand scheme of things, but it's just a very interesting kind of nugget. Maybe he just talks about Lila all the time to the point that they put her down as a known associate. (laughs) Maybe. 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 Uh, we, so that interview with uh, Sean Gunn is coming to the Phase Zero YouTube channel this Friday. Jenna also interviewed uh, Nico Santos and Miriam Shore, and those are coming up. Uh, those are coming on video on Friday. Yeah. So uh, th- they both play the collectors that are that the recorders that kind of work for the High Evolutionary, and so I talked to them both on Monday, and that was a very delightful interview. So we have the video from that it should be on the Phase Zero YouTube some point this weekend. So. Yeah, it should be Friday or Saturday, but we'll upload them both on Friday. We like to space stuff out. I don't really know YouTube algorithms and all that crap. So uh, well, Peter Peter knows best. So whatever works uh, best from uh, Peter, we'll figure that out. And that'll go up on Friday and Saturday. Uh, but yeah, so, so plenty to look forward to. And thank you to everybody for supporting the Phase Zero YouTube channel. We're probably going to pass 14,000 subscribers. Uh, I would say by the end of the weekend, hopefully. Uh, our, our Guardians of the Galaxy cast quiz trivia bit crossed 100,000 views which is awesome. Like I, I'm so proud of that video and it's nice to see. Cause like I listen a four minute interview is great there. It's really awesome to get to do that. But when you get to actually go in there and sit down and like, I don't know. And I'm sure you guys can understand this a little bit. Like when you go in and you do a four minute interview, it's so impersonal and transactional. You don't even really get to be yourself. Jamie does a really good job of this. Actually, when Jamie sits down in the chair, you connect with people really well, whether it's like Elizabeth Olsen or the Muppets, you really do. <laughs> establish a relationship with these people really, really quickly. And I appreciate that about watching your interviews. I feel like I have a hard time sitting down and really quickly just starting a conversation that I, okay, I know I have to ask these three things. And then this fourth thing, if I have time is really important and I'm just constantly calculating like, okay, I want this to be personal and normal, but I also like, I know I have to do my job. When you get, we got 15 minutes at Guardians, which is unheard of, which meant we got to do something really fun and like 
laugh and feel, I don't know, I, I feel really proud of that thing. So the fact that 100,000 people have watched it means a lot to me. Um, and also, Jamie has her video with um, Nathan Fillion, which is up on the site now. That's got, that flew past 4,000 views. A lot of times interviews, so they're hit and miss. Sometimes we'll get a couple hundred views on the on the channel. Like they do, don't do well on the site and they go on social. YouTube is hit and miss. And I feel like this popping up past 4,000 views so quickly, that's a great sign for that interview. And I'm excited to watch people keep watching that. Um, well, how was Nathan Fillion? I don't think I've ever uh, – I've never interviewed him one-on-one. I've only talked to him in a group for the Suicide Squad. Great. Uh, I, I think, we, like you said, like the four-minute thing, I got nine minutes with him. So that was go. that was so awesome. And even The Little Mermaid, I got five with all the actors, but I got seven with Rob Marshall. And I walked out of that Rob Marshall interview like, that was a great interview. And then it occurred to me, oh, because I got two <laughs> extra minutes. And those two extra minutes, it just – you feel it. It's it's crazy, the difference. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you're so right. And for the record, you can't tell if you feel that way, Brandon, when we watch you. um but i and i think it's easier in person than it is on virtual too Um, oh yeah uh, uh, like watching my Muppets interview, I've, wa- I've I've never watched one of my own interviews as many times as I've watched that Muppets interview, and I'm like, oh, there's so many things I wish I would have done, but I, it was so quick. But but Nathan was great, and it was like I think like I said this last week, but it was especially cool that I got to like talk a little Buffy with him. Um, but I've been a fan of him since I was 13, so that was also really exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So lots lots of cool stuff on the Phase Zero channel. We really appreciate you guys supporting it. And some of the stuff has like, gone viral on TikTok and Instagram too, so it's really cool to see. Uh, so you guys watch our content uh, and hopefully it results in more podcast listeners if you're new to the show uh drop a comment let us know that you went when and where and when you joined the show because we've been at this for almost three years now so i know we have new listeners every once in a while who join yeah we're just we're two and a half years into this right crazy uh so yeah uh, but more more about guardians of the galaxy volume three uh biggest thursday night of the trilogy it made 17.5 million which just narrowly beat volume two's uh, 17 million but overall the opening weekend was pretty far behind volume two. A, a very good week, $114 million opening weekend is a very good opening weekend for any movie. Uh, but volume two opened to $146 million. And I want to talk about that because not only do I think this could be a product of superhero fatigue, something I've acknowledged I think actually does exist, but if you, this was a fact they showed at CinemaCon 2022, and I don't know the numbers going before 2022. This is just what I saw there. 2022 had 71 wide release movies. Uh, 2023 is going to have over 100. Now, you go back to 2021 and 2020, I'm sure those numbers are drastically smaller. But then you go to 2019, 2018, 2017, I don't know that we were having 100 plus wide release movies. That's 2,000 theaters or more when they open. 2017 is when Guardians 2 came out. I feel like the blockbuster, the wide release has become like every weekend there's one. Clearly there's, a, there's two most weekends. There is so many options, so many things, the, 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 the variety at the movie theater, the variety of things that are on 2,000 or more screens is much more vast than it was just a few years ago, I think. So I do think that's also a factor. It's not just superhero fatigue. It's the fact that for, I think it's 12 straight weeks now, a movie has made more than $30 million at the box office. People are going to the movies. They're just seeing different things. So I think that that's definitely a factor, but uh, and 114 million dollars at the box office is not anything to scoff at. I think a thing, a, a, a factor that we don't talk about a lot is Disney Plus, because mm-hmm. back in the yeah. day, um, it's like you see this movie in theaters, or you wait months and then you pay 20 bucks to rent it, or you wait for the Blu-ray, and and you know a lot of people aren't physical doing physical media anymore. And I know for a fact, my mom used to see every one of these movies in theaters, and now she just waits for Disney Plus because it's not that much longer to wait for. And I I really think that that is part of it. That's I mean that's. I mean, it's not as bad as like Black Widow that got the same day, but some people, people like like my mom who loves it, but isn't like us who needs to see it instantly. They're like, I'll wait three months, four months and I'll watch it for free. That I think that that's that's a totally a factor. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. I think it's also like everyone still holds on to the billion dollar like milestone goalpost that we had in like 2019. And I think that is just not entirely possible in the way that it was in 2019 yes we have mario making a billion dollars but like movies are still going to be financially profitable and still be successful without having to hit the billion milestone being at 318 million worldwide and the movie hasn't even been out for a week is still really good in the grand scheme of things and it's very good given all the circumstances that we were just seeing of so many wide races and so much competition so like i 
I think like there's still going to be an audience. This movie's still going to have legs. It, yes, people are still going to go see whatever the new blockbuster is a couple weeks from now. But like this movie will still keep making money. So even then, this is the one movie where it's not like we will or won't get a fourth movie depending on the box office of this one. Like there isn't necessarily that level of expectation. So however much money this movie makes is more than enough. You know what I'll find interesting is like Spider-Verse is not a movie that is expected to quickly arrive on any streaming service. I assume it will go to Netflix. Mm-hmm. I assume that Sony d- deal puts it on Netflix, but I feel like Sony movies, Sony's the one studio that doesn't have their own streaming service. So their movies go to theaters and you're not just like, well, I'll catch it on Disney plus, you know, I'll catch it there. I'll catch it. And it's not, a, I don't, I don't know the window for Sony movies for when they appear, when they finally are available on Netflix or whatever digital platform they're available on a streaming platform. So I'm curious to see how a movie like Spider-Verse does. Obviously it's animated, which I think for whatever reason, I don't know, actually that's not true because Mario's crushing it. There's plenty of animated movies that make a ton of money. And I would actually argue animated movies are, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say live action movies typically are just bigger, but I don't even know if that's true anymore. I actually, I don't think that's even something that would, it'd be reasonable to say anymore. So I don't know. I'm curious to see how Spider-Verse does. And I think Spider-Verse is going to do really, really well, especially if the reviews are good. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how a movie in this genre without a obvious streaming destination within like 20 minutes of release uh, does. But I do think like, yeah, 2019 was pre everything's on streaming in five minutes. So I think that that billion dollar mark is very much hindered, obviously by the fact that these things are available for something you're already paying for. Um, but yeah, Jenna mentioned it made it's at $318 million worldwide already. PETA gave James Gunn an award for crafting an animal rights masterpiece. That's wow. That one surprised me. I'm not, <laughs> that one surprised me. That one surprised me. I thought Peter was a, was just a weird organization in general, Amen. but like, I can see the intent of what they mean. It's like, I don't know. It, it was definitely a choice when I first read that headline. I was like, okay. It like, could have gone the other way with them. It, they could have had the opposite. Like, you, like, I would have not been surprised if they thought that they had the complete opposite take. Yeah. I thought they were going to be like, wow, you guys are mean to animals in this movie. We hate this movie. But I, instead, I think it's because they were like, well, you had the villain, the bad guy, be mean to animals in this movie. So therefore, masterpiece. I don't know. That's just one of the most unexpected pieces of news. I did not. The, the bingo card keeps getting crazier and crazier because at the beginning of the year, if you had Marvel gets a PETA award, <laughs> congratulations. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Uh, but if you had Blade getting delayed again, well, congratulations. We all had that. And <laughs> we are probably with our triple stamp on that one. Um, and I'm not I'm going to this would be kind of spoilery, but I'm going to talk about it in a way that if you have not seen the movie, you'll in no way know what I'm talking about. Uh but that we talked about this in the bonus episode, the theory about the last line from Groot um, and what it like, w- how it's heard and how it's said and what, what it means and all this stuff. Uh, James got confirmed that that is like it, the audience is, you know? Yeah. So I won't say anything more than that, but uh, if you know, you know, if you listen to the bonus episode, we love you for it. And thank you for listening. And thank you for knowing uh, that's all I got to talk about guardians. Other than, I don't want to get into anything spoilery. Uh, maybe if you guys want us to talk more spoilers or something, we can find a way to do that. We can do a YouTube video. We can do a, a another section on another podcast. But I don't want to talk about it yet because I know some people are not going to theaters yet and some people haven't seen it. So I want to respect that. Uh, but yeah, anybody else got anything Guardians they want to talk about? Because otherwise I'm going to start scanning through here looking for some questions maybe. Can, can I just quickly say the, the, the nonsense with the high evolutionary that everybody pump your brakes. Everybody calm down. Please, Jesus, calm down. I mean, me, Tim Adams, if I, if I was next to Kofi, I'd look over at Kofi and be like, what, what's happening here, guys? It's like the eighth time we've had there be an African-American actor do a role. The role is very good. And then we do the Nathan Drake thing with white guy with brown hair and just cast him and everything. No, he doesn't need to be Kang. He doesn't need to do any of that stuff. Like the one thing that you can say about Marvel Studios after the Infinity Saga is the casting department has been on fire. The casting department has, you can't say anything about the castings that have happened since phase four. All of it's been flames. So I have faith in them. If we get to that bridge, if it happens, if it doesn't happen, they will recast whoever. But 
don't be beating on uh, Chuck's door about this unless he really <laughs> wants to do that. Unless he really was just, oh man, I would love to. Because, I mean, you know, people are going to be expecting some sort of weird, strange... I'll tell you right now. Recourse. God, it's stupid. I, I agree with you. I'll tell you right now. I know. As somebody who does junkets almost every weekend and has to run questions up the flagpole and listen to what's going on. And I know the business. I know the game. It's not just comic book comics everywhere in the world uh, that works in this, in this space that we do. There is somebody who's going to tell gonna somebody who's going to interview Chuck Woody. Hey, did you see this thing online where people want you to be the new Kang and replace Jonathan Majors? I, I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to be me. Here's this question that I imagine is extremely uncomfortable for you to answer. I don't feel, I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, I, I don't feel comfortable asking questions like that. So I, that's not something I would ask, but I, I imagine if that man does press anytime soon, somebody might just ask him that question because I have seen this gain a little bit of traction online too. And that, and that is the easy headline that gets a bunch of clicks. I know, I know the game. I know how it works. So I don't I know. Just say that I've taken the last like three days off Twitter because the rated R discourse made me so furious that I like I was like I and then with like stuff in the news like Twitter was like walking on eggshells of seeing really unpleasant things that I didn't Mm want to see so I've not been on Twitter so I had no idea what you were talking about and what yeah do you think there are like four actors in existence people like I I just like what is wrong with people like you have no creativity in your brain there's like if it comes down to this, if this is what happens, there are so many options of actors who aren't already playing other characters in this universe. Or, I don't know. Uh. The amount of times PG-13 for a reason. That's all I'm going to say yeah. about that. The amount of times I've seen tweets that are trying to insinuate, like, I, I once was a Kang and then I evolved, and that's how I became the high evolutionary. It's like, we don't need to do that here. And it also would diminish so much of the high evolutionary storyline in this movie to immediately be like, oops, he was a Kang. And, like, I, I sent Aaron one this morning of, like, people have been, been, been insinuating, like, so many other things in this movie are tied to Kang for absolutely no reason. And it's like just let this situation just play out. But like, we would not be having this conversation if Kang was played by a white actor. I feel like, I feel like that's also part of the conversation, but this whole thing's just so weird. It's just so messy. Oh yeah. If Kang was played by a white actor and then the high evolutionary was also a white actor. I don't think people will be sitting here saying, I'll put this guy in that role right now. But uh, yeah, I don't know this situation. Yeah. It's definitely a situation. I think it's like, well, let's see how this plays out. I don't think this is going to happen. Uh, whether Jonathan Majors keeps the role or not, well, as that information keeps coming out and the decision is eventually made, but I don't think I don't think an option is. Well, guy who played High Evolutionary is now going to be the guy who plays Kang, but Twitter is having their their moment with it. So yeah, well, I, what's that? I was gonna say, thinking of you, Caleb McLaughlin. I see you. I know it must be hard. You and John Boyega, y'all be y'all be just dealing with it every day, every day, <laughs> just infinite photoshops. It has mm-hmm. to stop. Yeah. If we're trying to double cast Chuck, go back over to DC. I was about to uh, say, yeah. Yeah, Jenna, you you could articulate this thought better than I can. There have been, you know there have been so many people like who have also said with like Martian Manhunter, you could just have it be this thing where Martian Manhunter assumes like Mern's identity from Peacemaker and you could just have him be in there that way. Like there are so many DC roles you could put him into without Ken acting what happens in Peacemaker, but there's no way you could take what happens in volume three and suddenly then make him a Kang. Like, yeah, weirder things have happened in comics, but that would just be such a weird way to go with this. Sorry to derail it. Let's get to the fun. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I think that was fun. I like when we get one. glad you said that. Yeah. I, mm. I, it's a, yeah. I, uh, I was going to pull questions, but my computer died. So oh, can't pull any questions. I right. can't pull any questions right now. But uh, I'm trying to, I am, when I plug my computer back in, hopefully I have an email in there. But uh, I think in the next couple of days, I'll know for sure. So I can't say anything yet, but we are working on getting somebody on the show for next week that I think everybody would really enjoy hearing from. Uh, and that could be really exciting. I just don't want to jinx it. I may have already said too much, but uh, hopefully it works out. We love having guests from the uh, from the MCU on the show, and this will be another fun one. Uh, Aaron, any last words for today's show? Oh, uh, it's at some of the Lake Hornet on uh, social media, and I would like to tell everybody, go see Polite Society. Um, delightful, delightful movie that we went to go see this weekend. Uh, Nimra Buncha from Miss Marvel is in it as she just be playing evil ladies. And if you watch this show, you know how I feel. The evil woman, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's delightful. Go see it. Um, It's worth your time.
Jenna, what you got? <laughs> well, so first, so I can read the questions. And Layla asked a question on an episode you won, and I do want to know your answer too. If you could pick a, an actor and an actress from the MCU to be a Ken and Barbie in the Barbie movie, who would it be? <laughs> an actor and an actress from the MCU to be Ken and Barbie. Oh, wow. I'm on the spot here. Um, <laughs> Ken and Barbie. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I feel like Ken. Oh my! This is gonna be. This is gonna go real poorly. I feel like Tom <laughs> would have to be Ken. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know much about Ken, so I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm just picturing like all right, white dude with brown hair. That's Ken. I guess that's it. That's Ken. You nailed that, it. Yeah, that's He's Ken. Just He's just Ken. Ken. I honestly don't uh, listen. This may come as a huge shock. I didn't play with Barbies growing up. I'm not super familiar with Barbie lore. Uh, the alter, the only other. Per- I don't. I don't know if that's a horrifying pick or a great pick. Uh, and for Barbie, I mean, who do we, and as far as people, I don't know, I'm thinking of people who look like Barbie. I don't really know what Bar, what the, like, what is the Barbie's personality? I don't know. She's, I don't know. The only person because <laughs> she's blonde. <laughs> like, I don't know. Scarlett Johansson. You just cast young Barbie. Yeah, you, you just did. did. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. You just give us Young Barbie. Yeah, Young Barbie, the prequel. There it is. So Catherine Newton and Tom Holland are now starring in Young Barbie, uh, directed by John Favreau. <laughs> oh, that, that went even better than I could have imagined. Like, oh my god, we <laughs> talked about it for like five minutes on the show a couple weeks ago, and it was great. Um, but so yeah, sorry. it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on all social medias. Uh, go read some comics. I loved seeing everyone's tweets for Free Comic Book Day last weekend. I, I hate that I didn't plug it on the show last week, but I love that everyone went and kind of supported that. And yeah, just go read some comics um, and go check out the Phaser YouTube channel where my interview will be Friday or Saturday. So, boom, Jamie. Oh boy, uh, if you go on my Instagram, you can watch my Muppet interview. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as as uh, Brandon said, Nathan Fillion's up. I also, I interviewed Sean Gunn and Maria Bakalova for for the movie, but there aren't videos, but there's lots of interesting stories. So if you search those on comic book, um, uh, I talked to Sean Gunn about a lot of Rocket stuff as well. That was really interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this last week, so I just want to shout it out that we, we didn't celebrate the 15th anniversary of the MCU. We like oh, totally yeah. skipped it. So I just want to shout out the, if it wasn't for the last 15 years, we wouldn't have the show and I wouldn't have these three lovely friends in my life. So thank you. Uh, thank you to Marvel for existing in cinematic form. Yeah, bro. We getting old. We getting old. out here. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, thank you guys for another great show. Sorry. My computer data would have got some more questions, but next week I promise uh, we'll get, we'll get some more questions. If you leave a five-star review, we read some of those uh, a couple weeks ago. And if you leave a five-star review with a question, uh, if we remember, which sometimes we forget, uh, we'll pull those up and read your questions as well. Thank you to Enterprise for supporting the show. I've talked enough. Hit me up on Twitter, on social media, whatever, at Brand Davis. If you want to talk more, go to comicbook.com slash Marvel to read a bunch of Marvel stuff and subscribe to the Phaseo channel on YouTube. Help us cross 9 million subscribers. We're on track to hit it by the end of the week. See you there. <laughs>